Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of the Centennial Podcast. And today we got a few topics lined up for you. In Period 1, we'll be talking about the weekly recap of the Senators, and which players' production is doing well, which players, uh, you know, kind of gone a little quiet, and uh, yeah, just general team performance. In the second period, we'll be looking at Ridley Gregg in the WHL and how he's playing, and we'll take a look at the Belleville Senators with five wins in their last seven games. And finally, in the third period, we're looking at the trade deadline. It is coming up on Monday. And we're going to look at what the centers could get for a couple of their hot ticket items. Maybe, or maybe not. We'll see. So, let's get right into the show. First topic that we want to talk about today is Timmy superstar Stutzla and I feel bad talking about this but I think somebody needs to talk about it and it's his production and no hate on the guy but he does have two goals in his last 20 games I know he's had some good looks some good opportunities you know hit some posts he's really getting close to scoring but he just hasn't been able to crack it his production slowed down a little bit lately but uh you know where you just kind of want to know what's going on with that so I'll turn over to Bennett to talk a little bit on this yeah, sure. I mean, as you say, his uh, the uh, the top line statistics have certainly dropped off a little bit uh, for Timmy, but I don't feel that uh, his play on the ice, he doesn't look like he's totally out of sorts. Like, he doesn't look like he's not up to the pace of it or anything. Like, he's getting in the right positions, and that's all good. Uh, I mean, as we were saying just before we started recording, he is the youngest player in the league, in the whole league. And uh, it would be... Uh, you know, it it takes a very, very rare player. I mean, we're talking like the McDavid and Crosby's of the world, and that's basically it, who can come into the NHL at like 18, 19 and just be dominant. It's not a reality for like 99% of players, even like the really, really good players, like the genuinely elite. It's just not viable. They're, you know, you're, you're too young, you're too, your body's not fully developed yet. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen flashes of billiards from him all season long. He's had really great stretches, weeks where he's looked like we can see the player he's going to become. And then there's weeks that go by where it looks like uh, like he's not there yet, which he isn't. And he was never going to be this season. So uh, all that is to say, I, I'm not worried about it. Uh, it is worth mentioning because we'd be remiss to not point out the fact that he has gone pretty cold re- lately. But yeah. uh, it doesn't it doesn't concern me or anything uh about his development, I have seen discussions about whether it makes sense to send him down to the AHL, maybe get him some reps at center as well. Um, I, I think there's a couple considerations there. First of all, I've read, and I, I can't, uh, I can't, I don't know the specifics of his contract, so you can't quote me on this. But his contract uh, with uh, Mannheim dictates that he can play in the NHL, but that's the only pro hockey he can be playing outside of the DEL. And if they were to send him to the AHL, uh, he'd really, in essence, be going back to Mannheim. If I can jump in there, Bennett, I, I do recall um, a lot of conversation um, around when his ELC was going to be up, um, or, well, not, like, burning the first year, essentially. Uh, by playing as many games as he did, uh, I do recall the conversation being like, it's here or Mannheim. Yeah. Uh, regardless. So, but I, 
I'm not sure if Mannheim's still playing or not. I know a lot of European leagues are are now in uh, playoffs, but you know, I, I I'm willing to be very wrong on this one, everybody. So I'm just putting that out. There. <laughs> yeah, all that is to say is to you know ascribe a little asterisk to those uh, to those can Stutzel play in the AHL. Uh, you know, questions. Uh, personally, I think even if he were able to play in the AHL, I think we still ought to leave him at the NHL. He's clearly good enough to be here. And I think at his age, there's a value in allowing him to play through a slump rather than just send, send him down. I mean, he still looks every game. He still does something, you know, brilliant, even if it doesn't turn into a goal necessarily. And uh, as long as we're still seeing that, he's clearly giving it is all out there i really don't see any need to to send him down i mean the, his development curve is going to be long everyone it is for for everyone except like i said like the very very tippy top of the, of the entire sport so mm-hmm. i mean he's he's going to be a dominant player in the nhl in like five seasons and yeah. until then i it's see that. no need to yeah i mean could be a couple more could even then two. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I did do my research, uh, Adler Mannheim fans, and they are currently, I believe, playing at this very moment. So, all right, yeah. well, let's stop recording and go to yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I, to your point, Bennett, I did really love what uh, the Anaheim Ducks did with uh, Trevor Zegrath. Mm-hmm. I think that's what prompted those discussions it, that I absolutely. saw. Absolutely, yeah. and and you know they were very open and said like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna put him down in the AHL because he has like he still has stuff to learn at the center, but he's like a capable NHL forward." You know, was he putting up like Tim Stutzla type rookie numbers? No, obviously not. Um, but uh, like, I I wouldn't hate the idea, but. He has to go back to Mannheim. He has nothing to prove there. He would be the the best player in the league by a a, a significant margin. Oh yeah. Um. It, it would be like Yager playing in uh in the Czech league that one time because he made an agreement uh <laughs> during the lockout <laughs> that he was like, "I will play for you next year," and then the lockout ended, and he was like, "Ah, dicks," and then he just tore it up. Um. Yeah. I I think. Uh, Stutzla has definitely tailed off, but it's his his scoring has like he's still able to to provide us, you know, two or three flashes of brilliance a game. He's he's still excellent, and he's he's nineteen. He can't even drink in the states, so uh, I think you know you just keep playing where he is. Um, I'd like him. I'd like to see uh, him play with like Colin White or Josh Norris for the rest of the season, though. Uh, I don't think Chris Tierney can keep up with Drake Batherson and and Tim Stutzla. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if read... Brown, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say he kind of read my mind. I was gonna say I don't think Chris Tierney is the right center for them, and no. this is gonna <laughs> sound this is gonna sound crazy. But oh. I'm well, maybe not with his recent performances. But Artem Anisimov looked decent actually between Batherson and uh Stutzla so that's like one of the guys that I could see you know Tierney's more of a defensive guy and yeah. I know he's scored a couple of goals in that most recent Calgary series but other than that he's been you know not really scoring at all this season uh yeah. so 
to me, you want a guy who's a little bit better at playmaking, a little bit more with the pace of the game. I've like been pretty fine with Tierney up until this season. I think this season, I'm not sure what it is. He, I don't know if it's just because they're. I don't. I don't know. I honestly, I don't. I'm not even gonna come up with a reason because I don't know what it is. But he just seems off, and I'm not, <laughs> I don't know what is the reason. So, putting. Stutzla and Batherson with someone who could maybe maybe help them be a little bit more productive and mm. maybe have a little bit of confidence back because I feel like Stutzla might not have as much confidence at the moment just because of his scoring drought. Yeah. So I just think putting them with someone who could really you know help them contribute a bit more offensively. I know Batherson probably doesn't really have any confidence issues considering he's uh, been scoring here and there throughout the season, but um, yeah. Right now, he's got 12 goals on the team, which is tied for the lead with Kachuk. So, uh, yeah, anyway. And I know Colin White's injured right now, so I'm not sure when he's getting back in the lineup. But, eh, I don't know. I guess we'll see what they do. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. all I got. Love to see it. On that note, we'll look at another rookie, because one of our rookies who... I mean, it's actually kind of funny, because like production-wise, I think we were talking about this before the podcast... Josh Norris, he only actually has one more point than Stutzla, but I think it's just his all-around game has been very noticeable this season, and I think he's really impressed me. I was expecting him to come in this season, you know, eh, maybe be a third-line guy and totally be cool with that. The fact that he's taking he's on... He's been stapled to the first line. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he's been, and he's been performing. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like, it's impressive. He's He was a rookie in the AHL last year. Yeah. It, it's... Wow, like his development curve has been great. And I've been very impressed with him. So yeah, uh Josh Norris, Matt, I'll let you take uh take this one away. I was uh I was talking to my uncle today, and uh this is the Oilers fan uncle, and he said, you know, uh, uh the man, every, man. I know the man, the myth, the legend. Uh <laughs> after every Oilers game, he's like, hit me up, I'll give you some uh some deets. I was like, <laughs> okay, I definitely did not hit him up for those. <laughs> um, uh, after the game, he said, man, Josh Norris is like, he's lining up it against Connor McDavid and he doesn't look that out of place. I mean, every player obviously looks out of place against Connor McDavid and even, even elite centers <laughs> look out of place against yeah. Connor McDavid, but you have this, <laughs> this rookie playing against Connor McDavid and, and like looking good. Uh, and he, he said, you know, like if you're able to get like the defensive player that the, the potential is showing to be that, like he could turn out to be like, sort of like a Patrice Bergeron. And I said, well, you know, I mean, Patrice Bergeron is a hell of a player. So if we get him, I'm very happy about that. Uh, obviously, you know, Logan Brown was supposed to be our number one center, but how crazy would it be if not only out of the um the the Carlson trade we got you know this dynamic uh winger who will most likely be an elite talent going forward you know picked at third overall but Josh Norris was slated and like they considered him a third line talent uh when they traded for him then this off season, they were like, yeah, you know, I feel like he could be like, he, he's definitely changed our regards. Like he, he looks like a second line center. 
But now all of a sudden he's playing on this first line and he doesn't look bad. Like how amazing would it be is if the Carlson deal, we got two first line players out of it. I do like the enthusiasm. I, I think Josh Norris is, has looked quite good. The only thing is, I don't know if he has the the flash to be a number, like a first line star center. He kind of reminds me of, and I don't want to pump the tires to the roof here with expectation, but he kind of reminds me of like a Jonathan Taves, someone who's not going to fill the score sheet every single night, can still provide that offense, has great offensive capabilities, but doesn't put the puck in the net every night, more of a defensive forward. He's still considered a first line guy, but production wise, you know, I think he more thrives off of having that star winger in Patrick Kane. I know Taves hasn't played this season, so it's a bit uh, harder to to judge that right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when when Taves was was playing and that's kind of I know, like you said, some people have drawn the comparison to Ber- uh, Bergeron. I was going to say Mark Bergevin. Uh, that would have been something. <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, um, I think someone like that who who could be a real, real solid second line center if we could get someone who had star potential for the first. But otherwise, man, who knows? Maybe he could be a better version of Kyle Turris. Maybe he could hit a Bergeron-esque role or maybe Taves. So uh, it's really hard to see right now. His development curve has just been like every year just going up a notch, up a notch. So it's, it's yeah. hard for me to really gauge. And I guess we'll find out next season how he comes in and plays. And I guess next season will really determine if I think he's more of a second-line center or that first-line center that the Senators have been looking for for how many years now? Like, at least since we drafted Logan Brown. Because uh, we had... I mean, at Spetsa. least since we drafted Sabanajad. Yeah. Like, True. like yeah. they were hopeful he would ter- turn into a first-line center. And he has, for another team... <laughs> and he was turning into a first line center on Ottawa, but they moved on from him. Like yeah. that 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 one, you know, will never really sit well. But but if you think about it, you know, Mika Zabanajad is a is a bona fide first line center. And if if Josh Norris has the same type of pedigree that uh or has less pedigree and is, you know, probably scoring at a better clip than Sabanajad did in his rookie year, you know, maybe that's something of things to come. And I, I believe I saw, um, you know, there there uh, are consistently analytics coming onto my my Twitter feed, and I'm very happy about that. Um, do I understand most of it? No. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, I know that war is win above replacement. And yes. uh, Connor McDavid is sitting at a 98%. Whereas Josh Norris is sitting at an 89%. Yeah, he's been quite um, good. Yeah, and Josh Brown and, uh, I mean, Braden Coburn are like in the 20%. So just to put that into perspective, like he's been very good. So I'm going to continue to pump this kid to the moon. Uh, but also you have to remember, you know, he's 22-23. Stooceless, 19. Youngest player in the league. And he's a freaking beauty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, I want to talk about... Uh, I mean, I would love to continue just pumping up Josh Norris and hyping that guy up. But I want to talk about another player because earlier in the season, we were talking about how this guy could not score for his life. 
And yes, you guys know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and it's Connor Brown. Connor huh. Brown has been on a five-game goal streak. And I believe two of those games were shorthanded goals. The man just cannot be stopped. He is on a mission. Cannot and he's now out. he's at 11 goals this season now. And he's shooting at a 13%. So, you know, not bad, not bad. He's been not coming bad. alive. And man, he has looked like the perfect third line right wing who can move up and down your lineup for different situations. And I am so happy that the senators got him in that Zaitsev deal. Cause man, like what a piece to get. And he's the kind of guy who I think the Leafs could really use now, which is funny to think about. Yeah. I mean, Connor Brown has been, has been quite solid. Uh, I mean, you know, on a perfect, on a very good team, Connor Brown is a third line, uh, third line winger. Uh, you know, he can punch above his weight, as we have all seen. Uh, he's kind of like that Zach Hyman type player uh, that has apparently been slated on Team Canada at <laughs> one point or another. Uh, I, that That's uh, the Toronto Sports Network talking for you. But, um, you know, Connor Brown, he's on a good contract. And is still able to produce at a uh, at a really solid clip. Um, he's good defensively and uh, makes teams pissed off because he's he's good at what he does. Uh, you know, if he finished as many of the chances uh, that he's been given this season, he would probably be you know top ten in scoring. But here we are. Uh, I'm I'm really happy that he's been able to to start putting putting pucks in the back of the net and, and getting points on the board. Uh, hopefully he continues to do that. I also love how hyped he's been looking while getting the goals. <laughs> His celebrations have been great. He's just realizing that he's uh, fucked up quite a few times. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's uh with with his finishing as inconsistent as it has been this season and in other seasons, you know he's never going to be an elite offensive talent, but the thing is he does everything so right up and down uh you know, whether it's killing penalties, whether it's driving play at 5 on 5, whether it's you know generating shots and opportunities for himself or his teammates. You know, he he does so many things so well. It's just, you know, before the last week or two he looked like he couldn't you know he couldn't buy a goal uh with with anything and uh mm-hmm. now that he's getting a few it's great to see because he deserves the reward for the the level of his play this season uh i think he's always gonna be an unreliable goal scorer but uh he does everything else so well i mean he reminds me of uh kind of like an eric Condra kind of guy that we used to have in the team <laughs> who a great uh I, I think he has like a little bit more offensive upside than Eric Condra, but just like such a reliable player in so many situations on the ice. I mean, do you uh, like winning rosters? Like any team can like draft superstars or can say, oh, yeah, that guy scores 90 points. He's probably pretty good. We should get him. But, uh, you know, every team needs a few guys like the Nick Pauls, like the Connor Browns, yeah. guys who, who do like the hard shifts into uh, killing penalties and, uh, you know, can hold their own wherever they are in the lineup. You need guys like that, uh, like good depth pieces to really round out a team. And uh, for us, we're kind of in the opposite situation. We've got several guys like that. We're just waiting for our crop of young talent to develop into, you know, the bonafide, you know, 
first, second liners that we all expect them to be in. So if we've got a guy like Connor Brown on the team for another few seasons and he can be there once guys like Stutzel and Batheson and Tuchuk really start to pop off, then uh, we'll be in a good way. Absolutely. And that'll wrap it up for period one. For period two tonight, we'll be looking at Ridley Gregg in the WHL with the Brandon Wheat Kings and the Belleville Senators who have been lightening up in the last seven games with five wins. A perfect score, if you will. <laughs> um, God, that was an awful reference on my part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so but anyway, <laughs> let's first look at uh, Ridley Gregg. He's got five goals, 12 assists, and only 10 games with the Brandon Wheat Kings in the WHL this year. And he's also taking on a leadership role. This man's got an A on his jersey this season for the first time in his junior career. So, man, I, I'm pretty hyped for this guy. I think he could be a guy who, kind of like we were talking about with Connor Brown, he fits into a depth role on the team, but can kind of move up and down the lineup, all situations, just depends on injuries, stuff like that. And he's a fierce competitor. So I think that he could potentially, in my opinion, make the team as early as next year. I, I mean, that's... That's given it a, a lot of, of uh, what do you call that, hype towards this guy. I just think for his role, right? Like, we're not expecting him to come into the NHL and put up, like, 20 goals in a rookie season. But I think he's kind of like Formington, where he comes in and he can immediately make an impact in a depth position. So, you guys can go ahead with your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think for Alex Formenton, like, that reference, he he immediately came, like, when he was drafted, he, he made the team out of camp and then they sent him back right yes and didn't get to play for another what two seasons three season um but with that said i mean last year ridley greg was above a point per game had more penalty minutes than he did uh, points and that was <laughs> a lot of points um he had 60 points in 56 games 26 goals um and uh at the start of the season before the whl had started uh, Ridley Gregg was playing for the Belleville Senators, and I recall, you know, watching um, or seeing some of the tweets from uh, from some of the analysts that that cover the Belleville Senators, and uh, Ridley Gregg was always pointed at as like one of the best players on the ice, and uh, he was extremely ready for the pro, pro game. And uh, shout-outs to Sens Prospects on Twitter for being uh, so diligent with with being able to get content of, of Senators Prospects because I've been able to, you know, see clips of, of how Greg plays the game. And, and he was also su suspended three games at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and uh, he... Uh, he's... You know, above a point per game again, he has 17 points in 11 games, uh, 12 assists, five goals. And, you know, he he's in a leadership role on Brandon and they are uh, they're a solid team when he's on his game. He, um, he he's such a, a shit disturber and he <laughs> once again this season has 23 penalty minutes. So he's he's already on pace to to <laughs> to piss a lot of people off, but I think your your point of being sort of a depth player in this lineup is isn't uh isn't a stretch or even a knock on him. I think 
he is like a perfect third line player for uh, a third line center uh, because he's been playing center uh, almost the entirety of his career uh, for, for Brandon. So if he's able to, uh, you know, make the transition and, and stay uh, at center, he's, he's been called an amazing defensive player. And if he's able to, uh, you know, stay at center and and not play on the wing he could really be an asset on um on our third line third or fourth line and play um in high pressure situations on the penalty kill yeah and i'd like to see the weak kings make the playoffs this year because i really want to see how he steps his game up in the playoffs yeah because i think i mean i know it's junior so it's a bit different uh it's just more of me being curious about how he plays in the playoffs and just kind of seeing I, I don't doubt his compete level at all, but again, just want to see it in the playoffs. So, yeah. I I think we will probably see him take a, a next step and and be be that guy because, you know, Brandon in his entire career uh playing there has not made the playoffs. So let's let's see if they they can they can make it this year. On that note, we'll take a look at the Belleville Senators, who have five wins in their last seven games. Like I was saying earlier, Igor Sokolov has 11 points in 17 games. He had a hat trick the other day, and he's been looking pretty stellar, coming right out of the QMJHL. And I I was watching the Wally Mathod show, and they had Batherson on. And Batherson said when, when Sokolov showed up with the team, he was like, sorry, how old's this guy? He just turned 17. And he couldn't believe it because he, he was like, there's no way. This guy's insanely giant. Uh, he's a beast. And um, anyway, he there were a lot of doubts when he was initially drafted. People were like, you know, he's an overager. His skating's been criticized. as not being yeah. too great. But he's transitioned into the pro game and has not looked out of place at all and has been their deadliest scoring weapon on the team. And I think that really says something about his work ethic of wanting to try and really put his mark on Belleville and just show that he belongs here. And I think he's been great so far. I'd love to see him get potentially a a game or two. Um, Maybe not this season, because I know the season's a little shorter. It's kind of going to be hard to get all these guys in the lineup. But maybe early next season, see him get a few games in the NHL. I just kind of want to see what he can do in a depth role, maybe. Yeah, he's he's a bona fide goal scorer in in Belleville. He he's already had a hat trick. Um, you know, he's their leading scorer ahead of uh, fellow Russian Vitaly Abramov and you know friend of the show. Uh, it, he hasn't been on or anything. I just I just think he's a friend to me. <laughs> um, but you know, Sokolov has the ability to to pick corners. Uh, he was the leading goal scorer in the QMJHL last year. Like that, that's pretty damn impressive. So, I'm I'm really happy that that he's he's sort of turning out and and be and showing people that he was deserving of 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 being that pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had skating criticisms. Yeah, people said he was a little too heavy. He lost 20 pounds in the off season. He he improved his skating ability. Uh, you know, if he <laughs> scores 20 goals this season, obviously I don't know how many 
Belleville games are left or, you know, how much runway he has. But with that said, if he's able to put up a 20 goal season in his rookie season in, in the AHL, uh, I think he could make a case for being a a more respected prospect in the prospect uh, pool for the Ottawa Senators and could be a long-term option on the wing, uh, especially considering we are pretty desperate for right-wingers. Mm-hmm. And scoring right-wingers in particular. Yeah. Preach King. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just to, to to shout out Sokolov, like you say, 17 games played, he's got 7 goals, 4 assists, so he's got 11 points out of 17, which is pretty decent. And, uh, you know, he had that one hat-trick game, which was great. I, too, saw the, saw the highlights of those goals on the Sense Prospects Twitter page. Uh, it's great to see for the guy. He seems to be settling in pretty well. And like we say, there's no rush for him um, whatsoever. I mean, give him a couple seasons to cook down there, start to uh, start to see if he can put in goals consistently. And if he can, then uh, over the course of a season or two, then he absolutely is going to be deserving of a call-up and maybe a spot in the roster. Um, right-wing depth is going to be a big thing for the Sens uh, in a few seasons. And uh, if we can get him in there and have him fulfilling a role in the, in the middle six, maybe, then uh, that'd be great. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, another player I want to bring up, too, because he recently joined the team, is Angus Crookshank. So, 21-year-old left wing. Uh, Ottawa signed him to his entry-level deal this year. He played for the University of New Hampshire and had 18 points in 20 games. He's come into the lineup in Belleville. He has two assists in two games. Uh, I mean, hey, just saying. Production's good. I'm not sure about his <laughs> rest of his game. I haven't been watching the Belleville games, to be honest. But, hey, if you can come into Belleville and immediately have an impact production-wise, that's great to see. And I think Angus Crookshank, like, the Senators took him in the fifth round in 2018. So same year that they drafted Kachuk. You know, it's been obviously a slower burn for a guy like that, but only three years removed from his draft as a fifth-round pick, and he's playing in Belleville and, you know, two assists in two games, small sample size, but to Pretty already good. be having, yeah, to already be having some offensive impact is great. And I hope it continues. And, you know, this guy kind of seems uh, underrated. And so uh, let's kind of see what happens with him. Back for period three of the Sensational Podcast, and we're going to talk about trade deadline talk. And I know we've been talking about this how many times now in the past few weeks, but with the deal today going down between the Islanders and the Devils involving Paul Mary and Travis Sajak going to the Islanders, I mean, it's kind of gotten me a little like, okay, we kind of have a, a bar set for what's to be expected at the deadline. And the Islanders, I think it was like, what, two prospects? a conditional fourth round pick and then a first round pick to bring in Paul Marion Zajac. Yeah, I was about that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I was, I was thinking, I don't think the senators have any assets this year that are going to bring anything close to that in. Uh, it would be nice to get a first round pick again for this season, just to have another one in the bank. But ultimately I think the senators are probably going to be, I don't want to say stuck with, but they're probably going to be held to just having their own first this year. And then their two second round picks. So we'll still talk about the deadline and we'll start off with Ryan Dezingle. He's got eight points in 15 games. Now, I believe it was with Chris Stevenson that we were talking about this. Uh, it could have been someone else. I might be mistaken. But uh, anyway, uh, I believe that uh, what I heard was that pro scouts have taken note that 
Ryan Dzingel can score, just not when he's not on the Senators. And so, <laughs> you know, that's that's interesting to think about. I mean, in his, let's see here, if I pull up uh, Mr. Dzingel himself, um, he's got three points in the last five games. Uh, he's a guy who definitely has the speed, he has the scoring ability, but like I just mentioned, hasn't really shown that away from the Senators. So it's kind of uh, an interesting trade target, to say the least. Um, I think there's possibility of getting like a mid-round pick for him, but I don't think the Senators are going to get two seconds and a Duclair-style deal like they did just a couple years ago. So I just kind of want to get your guys' takes on, do you see the Senators parting with him, or is this like, can we put this to rest, put it to bed, he's staying on the team past the deadline? Ugh. Just put it to bed. Like I just want to <laughs> like keep him and, and call it a like just just keep the guy. I mean, he he's shown he's good on your team. And why would you trade him if he's going to be good on your team? I mean, like it just it just kind of makes sense to me, but I don't know. What do I know? I don't I'm not Pierre Dorian. Yeah. I uh I'd be uh I'd be happy happy to keep him around, and I think uh, there's a lot of guys who only ever really end up playing well for kind of one team, you know, yeah. kind of middle of the road players, you know, who don't play a flashy game and who have success in one place, and then they'll you know get traded and then they'll never quite put it together. I'm thinking of Derek Stepan, for instance, who was <laughs> good, good for the Rangers for several seasons and then never quite put it together in Arizona, and his career just kind of fizzled out until he ended up here. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want that for the single. I think there's no room for sentiment in, in hockey, obviously, but, uh, or professional hockey at least. But, uh, I think, I think he's earned between his first and the second stints, he's earned like a bit of loyalty from the organization. Yeah. And if they can't get more than like a fifth round pick for him, like, like My to daughter. me, like that's not worth it. Like yeah. a fifth round pick might become half a Ryan to single, yeah. you know, it's just, uh. Yeah, but the it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. I think that going into this season, we anticipated that there was going to be a lot of movement, especially around our veteran core of guys who are on expiring de- deals. I am increasingly convinced that that isn't going to be the case um, for a few reasons. And uh, just listening to uh, listening to uh, GMs or reporters or analysts uh, who have been talking about the trade deadline for for the last couple of weeks and uh it really sounds as if everyone expects it to be quiet and it's not just due to the covid restrictions and the quarantine rules and everything but the flat cap is a huge barrier to a lot of teams who otherwise might be expected to be you know uh buyers at the deadline they just do not have the flexibility that they would have in a normal year and if they if they're trying to augment their team, they're not going to be willing to part with roster players in order to make that happen. So I think we're going to see, uh, you know, like uh, like with the Rangers, right? I mean, they they weren't trading uh, unless if you're absolutely sure that you're going to be in a selling position to the playoffs and not in the cards for you all. I don't think we're going to be seeing teams moving, uh, you know, like like NHL level assets, um, and the the relevance to this to the sense obviously is like you know who who is the trade bait going into this season you know it's guys like Artem Anisimov, Eric Branson, 
uh, now Ryan Dezingle since we acquired him, uh, Mike Riley were kind of like some of the big names that you'd see floated around as guys who could yeah. get moved. Uh, I don't think we're going to see more than one, maybe two of those guys move. Yeah, yeah. And, I th- and I think it's probably like some stupid GM is going to move for either Goodbranson or Coburn. <laughs> um, mm. I like it sounds like the Sens are probably going to keep Riley and you know the, who's to know about Ryan Dezickel really um, if, if they get a good offer for him yeah. they'll trade him and if they don't they won't I, I think, think yeah. a dark horse uh, person would be Anton Forsberg that's true yeah huh? I thought about that too I mean, yeah. I still don't think it would net you anything more than like a fourth round pick or something because goalies never bring in something. That that if, if it's a fourth round pick, I'm like over the moon. Yeah, and I'm you talking about it's probably nothing, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm talking yeah, and I know a hundred percent that'd be great. I that's like my most optimistic prediction. I I think the sense just hold on to him to have him as a taxi squad guy. Hey, if they end up getting some form of draft pick for him. Pfft, Hey, I'll take it. Like, like you said, we got him for nothing. Waiver claim. I just think if if you keep Forsberg around at 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 this very moment, uh, you have a bit of a logjam. Uh, just because you know Matt Murray's getting ready to come back, uh, um, and Hogberg is now back. Forsberg on your NHL roster. You have Gustafson down low. You have Kevin Mandelese as backup. And apparently they're going to be signing Mad Sogard uh, after his season. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. And and frankly, I mean, Anton Forsberg has a 920 save percentage in the, in the three games he's played. No, he's uh, looked good for sure. Yeah, he's, he's looked really good. And I think um, there is a team out there that will be stupid and trade for him. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, and, you and Colin GM stupid today, huh? Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. I mean, uh, he he has like he has shown that he can play in the NHL, and uh, I think he's he's sort of earned a longer look than what he's been given the past two seasons. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be a really good fit for him in Edmonton, uh, but they just they did not give him any leash whatsoever and he was relegated to taxi squad and that meant he was gone. Yeah. So you know what? It is what it is, but I, I think you could probably get a six or fifth for him. And if you can get a six for a or a fifth for him, uh, that's, that's a huge win. Also, I was sorry. I wanted to go back on something Bennett said earlier about the money and money out thing. The one interesting thing is that a deal went down today where Chicago actually traded for Brett Connolly from the Florida Panthers. And Brett Connolly has this season and two more at three and a half million dollars. So I think some teams are willing to make moves for like bringing in some salary cap or sorry, bringing in some salary. Uh, I mean, Connolly's only got four points in 21 games this year. So why the Blackhawks decide to do that? I have no idea, especially because they only got like they did get um, two prospects and a seventh round pick in the deal. But it's it's still like kind of weird to bring in salary like that. I mean, hey, maybe they really liked those prospects, but I think definitely some teams are willing to make moves if they involve salary. It just has to be for the right player or the player that fits in their mind for their team. Yeah, and I think that's more a case of like Florida dumping salary and 
in um, the Blackhawks, you know, accepting the other pieces kind of as compensation for that. I mean, they yeah, also sure. traded uh, they also traded their blue liner to Florida as well. Let's talk about Mike Riley, because I know we just brought him up a little bit, but we didn't really touch into his trade value or whatever. But hey, NHL GMs are, are calling on Mike Riley. His underlying analytics have been great. I know a lot of people are saying he's a product of Zub, but away from Zub, his his stats are still quite good. It's it's like him and Zub are benefiting from each other's presence, which is very good. <laughs> I mean, very interesting, but also very good. Um, Anyway, he's got, I believe, now 18 assists so far this season and no goals, but, you know, not for lack of trying. He does hammer those slap shots, uh, <laughs> but I, I think he's the guy that the Senators could probably move. I don't know what for, but he's on a very good contract. I believe he's making like one and a half million dollars. So it sounds it's funny talking about that. You know, it's like pennies when when in the NHL, but, you know, in reality, it's so much more. <laughs> But anyway, NHL-wise, he's not making a, a ton. He's got four assists in his last five games. He's that cheap depth offensive defenseman that if a team wants somebody who can come in, you know, quarterback their second power play, just give them offensive minutes when they want to give their star defenseman a break or whatever, I think he's the perfect guy to come in into an organization and do that for. So, I mean, I don't know what the Senators could net for him. I mean, they gave up a fifth back when they got him from the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So I don't know. I like, I think it's not unfair to think that the senders could potentially get a second round pick for him, especially with how he's been playing lately. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I just think that he's, that's probably what he could net the senators um, in, in my best case scenario, I guess. I don't yeah. think that would be unreasonable. And I think that the market for a defenseman uh, is going to be, partially um par partially uh closed off a little bit because i've been mean, going into the deadline like a month ago the the defensemen whose names were getting bandied around the most were uh, matthias Eckholm in nashville and uh i think david savard in columbus as well as ryan ellis i think yeah but both those teams are now in a dead heat for the playoffs, you know, Nashville of pole position, they pulled into fourth in that division. Uh, Columbus, they're kind of flailing, but they're only three or four points off of them. I don't think either team are going to be looking to sell right now. Um, yeah. Nashville had been expected to be a huge seller at the deadline, but their season has turned around. And I don't think there's going to be an appetite for them to be offloading players right now. So what that could mean for the Sens is that if those big-ticket defensemen aren't on the market, it could bump the value of someone like Riley, who has good underlying numbers and has been putting up respectable points on a bad team. Uh, I think they could easily extract like a, like a third-round pick or possibly a second from a team that's competitive, uh, especially considering his low cap hit. Um, I, think, uh, I think he's our best bet to get something... Uh, substantial of, of substance at this yeah. deadline like let's say a team calls for like you know eric goodbrand's and we get like a fourth or fifth round pick for him like it kind of doesn't really matter at that point like it's like whatever it's not nothing but it's like you know at you that point get back like, what you traded for get him. back what we gave for him just call it a wash and it's like you know it may as well not have happened at all which like yeah 
might be attractive, but to me, it's just like, uh, like, but at the same time, you just have to remember you gave up a fifth round pick for him. So if you're trading him, you take nothing less. And I think, I think Pierre Dorian's got that on his mind heavy. And I mean, actually, uh, a good point to maybe talk about very briefly at the end of the podcast here is that they fired Pierre Gru from his position and transferred him into a scouting role and brought in a new goalie coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's like scapegoating 101. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian is is definitely uh, everybody's overanalyzing that that not even trade, but the the signing of Matt Murray. And he has looked not great. Uh, I mean, even even Matt can agree there. Uh, you know, he does have flashes of brilliance. Uh, Matt has been very uh, open about that. But, you know, uh, I think uh, it's a situation that's that's very difficult because you're hoping to make good on these sort of trades. And, you know, they traded a fifth for Eric Goodbranson. You know, the next day, Ryan Murray gets traded for a fifth and he's, you know, a top four guy in New Jersey, whereas Goodbranson's in and out of the lineup. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to like you, if good Branson gets dealt, it's going to be for nothing less than a fifth. And I don't see him getting dealt for that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, yeah. And like you are teasing me about with Matt Murray, no, for <laughs> sure. I think, so he's just been inconsistent. Like it's weird when I just see people say he's straight up trash because he's not trash. He's just been inconsistent as hell. And that's the problem. It's not his abilities. Because when he's on, he's on. In all of the starts that he's given Ottawa, where he's had a an above 900 save percentage, he had one that's been lower than a 925. One start out of his good starts, and that was a 912, which is still fine. Like, that's not anything to scoff at. So it's like, yes, I know. And people are going to turn that around and be like, well, what about his other, like... I don't know, 14 starts or 15 starts that weren't good or something. I don't know. I can't remember. He's either jet flame hot or he's like Arctic cold. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like there's not really an in between this season. So yeah. And so, yeah, I'm hoping that he comes back from his injury. He gets some time to kind of get back in the groove. The defense has also been way better as of late. Like I know we lost four tooth to the Oilers last night, but also one was an empty netter and the team looked pretty good. Uh, there was that ugh, when they let that third goal in, you just knew it was coming. There was just you could see the tidal wave of the Edmonton offense and just the defense just couldn't get out of the zone. It was just it was awful to watch. I was like, when's the goal coming? When's the goal coming? Mm-hmm. And then boom, you know. So I think the team's playing a lot better, and that could benefit Matt Murray. Um, I mean, we'll just have to see how the team plays in front of him because that's the other thing, right? He can have faith in how the team's playing now, but if the team has a lack of faith in him because they don't know which Matt Murray they're going to get, that's another issue, and that's something that hopefully won't be a problem. Uh, I just I hope he comes in. He has a great rebound performance coming back from injury when he does get a game, and uh, yeah. All right. On that note, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Uh, We're on Reddit. You can actually follow people on Reddit, so you can follow us there if you mainly just use Reddit. And I myself am on Discord, so if you want to chat with me on Discord, drop me an ad there, and we'll uh, we'll talk or argue. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So uh, thanks. 
I'm not kidding. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and go Sens go. Go Sens go. Also, wait, Fido, can we talk about those? Have you guys seen those Legion commercials? Yeah, they're terrible. Oh, they're oh so my bad. God, it's they don't the even for Canada. Yeah, you guys are very much losing that we've one. Got, we've got we've bl- got Blue Legions approaching from the west. Get it. <laughs> See ya, everybody.